0: We're live?
1: We're doing it live. I got nervous immediately.
0: (laughs) (sighs) Okay, so this used to be, well, it was for two episodes. It was called Batman and Football, where I just talked about um, sports and, and Batman and comics and film and stuff like that.
1: I think I was the only listener.
0: Probably, probably true. So... I decided to rebrand and bring my good buddy brother from another mom and dad actually uh, Brady Gosser and he's going to start co-hosting and this is going to be the new podcast where we just talk about shit that we want to talk about and not care about anything else except for what we're interested in so
1: podcast credit name Bradley Michaels (laughs)
0: I still like, yeah, burger boy.
1: That's fine with me. We can do that.
0: Okay, cool. Is that a parody? <laughs> well, I guess.
1: I mean, it's sugar. It's delicious.
0: <laughs> if you don't know the reference, you're dumb. Okay, so yeah, um, this is what we're doing now. So Brady drove all the way up from the good old city of uh, Cleveland. Road rode uh,
1: through um, Route 20 west from Cleveland to Toledo, stopped in Castellia, went to the quarry, did a little run at the quarry <coughs> solo, and um, saw a black family pulled over by the police in the middle of in a village on the way here. In Castellia? No, it was, um, I don't know where, I don't know any towns between Castellia and here, honestly. Somewhere
0: off twenty. Uh, let's see. With probably Woodville mm. or Fremont. Well, Fremont, you know. Fremont. Let's go with Woodville. We'll go with something. Woodville. Yeah. Was there like a weird fucking speed trap where like it, it was like um, sixty five and then it's like fuck you twenty.
1: There yeah. was a lot of those for sure, and I don't have good brakes, so.
0: Yeah. It's <clears throat> the nice thing about you, gossers, is your are you're. you're Cars are so good. <laughs> <laughs> I want
1: to talk Cavs. I want to talk about the new assistant coach that they hired. And honestly, I don't even know her name. Do you know what it is?
0: She's from Cal. and Cal Bears? Yeah, I believe it was Cal. Um, her name is Lindsley Gottlieb. She was formerly the head coach at the University of California, Berkeley.
1: Gotley, she's the head coach at UC Berkeley. I um I haven't read any articles about this. I haven't listened to sports talk radio in a few weeks. I don't know what is the what's the general reaction to this. What's the average bro sports fan? Do they care? Do they not care? Well, first of all, this, like, I'm SJW offended that you said. Far?
0: First of all, I'm offended you think I know what an average sports bro thinks. So fuck you. <laughs> No, uh it just seems like the general um opinion with it is what you would expect. It's praise, high praise. And apparently she's very, very good. So it's praise
1: because they're just saying it's a good hire in general, a praise that the Cavs are are they breaking any sort of norm? I thought the Spurs had a female coach for some they, reason. Yeah, I wrong? But they it's okay. So they're the second yeah. team
0: to have one. Yeah, and um <coughs> excuse me, it's it's a big deal because of what she is. Apparently, she's a very, very good coach, and she fits in well with, uh, what's his name, Bay- Bayline or whatever? B-Line, yeah, because
1: before, even before getting to the fact that she's a woman, I think one of the knocks on B-Line is that he was a little bit older for a first-time NBA coach. Yeah, and he that. the fact that, that I think she's only 40 or 41.
0: Yeah, she's, she's pretty young, and a lot of people think that This is going to be a definite stepping stone into a head coaching position, which is great, you know. Oh, yeah.
1: That would be Well, case-by-case basis on, you know, whether having a female head coach. I don't know if that would be a big difference or not. I wonder how players even see the head coach versus the assistant coaches and whether or not they care. It almost seems like NBA coaches don't really – other than the big guys like Pop and the ones that hold a lot of respect. I'm not sure how much the players even really care about who the head coach is or who the assistant coach is or anything like that.
0: So we're probably – you and I are probably the dumbest people when it comes to basketball for sure. Yeah. Like we're not experts. But Unless
1: we watched LeBron and LeBron didn't give a fuck who his coach was. So as a Cavs no. fan, it didn't really seem to matter that much. You could tell the difference between who was in control of the team – yeah, I like mean... they played defense
0: under Mike Brown a little bit, for example. Right, and got him a Coach of the Year award for that. That was <laughs> fucking wild. But, no, um, for me, it's going to be really interesting, especially with uh, the Cavs' new head coach, because, you know, he's never been in the NBA before, and uh, that's... more. out about that. Yeah, and that's why he signed that five-year contract. So it's basically like, you know, he's figuring it out on his own and without a superstar, the NBA, you're not going to last. So it's very interesting what there's, what's going to happen now. Mm. It, it could go, it could go one, like a few different ways. It could be like <clears throat> Brad Stevens, who is a college like minor you know, coach and took a team that had like Essentially, it was like a college-style roster and took them to the Eastern Conference Finals a few times. Mm-hmm. And then once they got that superstar, it was like, you know, with Kyrie, it was like, now it's a shit show. And it doesn't right. – I mean, they still go to the playoffs and stuff like that. But, I mean, I think personally they are probably better off without Kyrie. But then again, it's all about Kyrie's attitude. And we know for a fact that Kyrie isn't the uh, most uh, – Yeah, I agree, especially I
1: think that his injuries concern me the most. And if you have someone that you can't count on being there in such a long season, especially in the postseason, I think that's why they're definitely the most better off without him. It's weird, I forgot about this too, that they let Sexton take his number immediately after he left. The dude (laughs) who hit the biggest shot.
0: In franchise history on well, the city's history to be yes. honest yeah it's no longer michael jordan um but, well i mean i i thank kyrie for what he did you know when he was a cab mm-hmm. but i'm fine never having him again mm-hmm. i think i think they'll i think they'll retire his jersey for that and that alone um so but anyway Gilbert. Maybe
1: it would I have to be knows. a different owner. He almost died, by the way, which would have been interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, yeah, I wanted to say about was his
0: obituary in Comic Sans. About uh, <laughs> what's your <her> name again, <coughs> Lindsay?
1: Lindsay. So That's her first name, right? What's your yeah. last name? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, so I, sad, I know,
0: so I know. No, it's not. I, I just know. I'm a friendly it's guy, so remember. everybody's. It's just I'm on a friendly basis. Gottlieb. Gottlieb. Um, Gottlieb. G-O-T-T-L-I-E-B. Gottlieb and B-Line?
1: Yeah. Um, sounds like I a think term. it's, from not just the pure basketball standpoint, I was sort of thinking from a personal development, from like an evolutionary biology kind of viewpoint almost, and looking at what it could mean to a team by bringing in some of that feminine energy in a coaching position and what that could do. I think it's perfect for basketball in particular. You know, I'm sure I'm not sure where major league baseball is at with that or I would imagine that the NFL is probably way off well, in having it. I think it fits in basketball.
0: Well, okay. So the I I think the reason why you won't see that as much in football and in baseball is because
1: basketball
0: yeah, right i mean there's softball and but uh i mean it's it's a lot different mm-hmm. um but basketball and men and women's, is definitely is a women's very game. very it's exactly also, the same yeah yeah i was
1: thinking i mean because just think about your own life and i was thinking about my own life and thinking about different mentors and coaches instructors people who have influenced me in my life men and women and just thinking about sort of entering into your professional career and only having sort of men in your support system and only having men uh coaching you and being around you i just think that it can probably get a little uneven and i think that having a woman around especially a lot of these guys coming in how what's what's the age of the average Cap Sexton was a one and done. Garland, I believe, was a one and done. The one player they just drafted might I be like 21 or something. But Yeah,
0: I mean, it's going to it's be These are really young guys, and
1: they're spending such a – I mean, it is just a, a job, first of all, but it's even more than that because I think what they try to do, at least in order to be successful, is make it more of a family because it is already a tribe because it's a team, and you're going out and you're competing against other teams every night. You're spending a ridiculous amount of time with each other during the season. You're traveling out west together. You're flying. You're sleeping in the hotels, everything. You're eating all your meals together. Imagine having that kind of family environment and really not having any sort of women around, especially, I think, for guys that are only 19, 20 years old. I think that could go a long way to having. And not to say, I mean, I don't know anything about
0: her. She might be... Not having sort of
1: generic feminine traits, I'm saying like,
0: I mean, it's to me that shit doesn't really matter. It's just uh, to me, it's what you do on paper, and right. I think it's smart that you go to, you know, because basketball is evolving at a rapid pace. I mean, just it's no longer you know the Michael Jordan style or right. defense. You know, it's all Curry threes. This you got to know how to shoot, and what yeah. better. What better place to learn how to actually shoot and spread the floor and spread, you know, spread everything mm-hmm. than women's basketball? Because of you know the un- limitations that evolution gives everybody. Yeah, they definitely play with a
1: lot more of a um, a team mentality, I guess. And when you look at, and that almost is funny to think if we're right about, can we check quick? Do the Spurs have females on their coaching staff? Yeah, they do. I right thought there. that they did, but when you look at the style of play that they've normally succeeded with for decades, it's been yeah, a Yeah, Becky Hammond. Yeah, it's been a very team-oriented um, defense, passing, shooting across the board. Uh, they haven't really had – I mean, they've definitely had their superstars, but um, it definitely a different style of play than other teams. Yeah, that makes sense. And Pop, he's like a big-time um, – Outspoken, kind of progressive Very very progressive.
0: Yeah, he's like most people in the NBA are. I mean, you're gonna. I know a majority. You think
1: most people in the NBA truly are, though?
0: Yeah. Okay. Maybe. Um. Well.
1: Well, I mean, their their ideas and their actions
0: could be different, for sure. But no, I think they are. I think the NBA is a very, very progressive league Mm -hmm. as far as you know, equality and all that stuff. I mean, I'm they, just thinking of
1: it now, too. and
0: Especially Adam, well, their commissioners, super progressive compared to the Oh other yeah! leagues, for sure. Oh, yeah, so. especially
1: with how you see other leagues sort of handle things. I think yeah. the NBA is probably going to be the first one to allow their players, I think, to use cannabis as well. Can they you see smart. that happen. Yeah, fuck silver? yeah.
0: Yeah, well, the thing is is that I feel like... It's definitely
1: part of the culture of the players already. Probably almost oh, yeah, well, football as well, but... Well,
0: yeah, I mean, well, fucking, what is J.R. Smith best known for? Yeah, getting too stoned <laughs> at fucking halftime
1: and not knowing how much time was on the clock or what the score was.
0: <laughs> exactly. No, I think I just think was that like, ever
1: con- was that just like a
0: it's gonna be a rumor intuition
1: until, of fans or was there anything to back that up at all? He always I did look pretty high.
0: He, I, the only time we'll know is if he's if is if he tells us because I mean it's hearsay. Other than that. But with the NBA, I think, and like I said earlier, that you and I aren't probably not the best experts when it comes to basketball. Definitely like, not. Yeah, we've. I I'm mean, just a LeBron James. I mean, I've. We grew up playing. Much. We we grew up playing basketball together, and I swear to God, Jay, Brady does not jump when he shoots. Like, you he, don't need he, to. Now he's got the. Now you're shot. playing on an
1: eight foot rim, bro.
0: <laughs> exactly. Don't even need a jump. And I still can't dunk on eight foot rim. (laughs) It just shows you how German and Irish I am. But uh, there's
1: more offensive fouls.
0: (laughs) Yeah, probably than anything else when we played. But I think the NBA. I think it's controlled more by the players, and I think it's more encouraged. Mm -hmm. Oh, I think to to a ridiculous extent. Yeah. Whereas the NFL, the NFL has that, and I don't want to. I'm not even gonna say it. But the NFL is more uh, owner oriented. Where the owners they create the rules, they create. Well, we got you got Jerry know, Jones, straight right. out of eighteen fifty South. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and then like the, I mean, there is a there is an owner issue when it comes to that stuff, but whatever. Uh, but the NBA, yeah. I think you know when you have like well, the
1: NBA had the only owner to get fired for being uh, forced to resign <laughs> for
0: being a racist. Exactly, place. but I think with the NBA, I mean, your president and you know, for players is Chris Paul on the vice president's LeBron James and like LeBron yeah. is like the most influential athlete of all time next to Michael oh, Jordan. Yeah. So, they're going to have way more pull than an owner does. Yeah, the owners write the checks and, right. you know, sell the tickets but the players, you know, do the play. Do
1: you think it's time for Dan Gilbert to sell the Cavaliers with his health issues? And the fact that they're never going to be what he wants them to be again?
0: I don't know, dude. Just don't, don't count them out. I mean, this is this is a different – this is different. With the three draft picks that they just got, this is – How the, do you feel about them? It's interesting I do. that they I, – I think they got a better version of Colin Sexton, which is great. It could be – I think what they're – I think their goal um, with with uh, the Cavs right now is they're using the Trailblazers as a blueprint. They're going – Yeah, everyone Davian has Lillard been – McCollum.
1: Everyone's been talking about the Blazers with that. They've been probably one of the few truly successful teams to really emphasize their backcourt. I guess they had to emphasize the backcourt out of necessity because of how just when they picked the last couple of years. I think, if I'm not mistaken, there wasn't a better player drafted after Sexton. So apparently they got the best one last year. And then Garland seemed to be, by consensus, the best available as well.
0: Yeah, and apparently LeBron's favorite player out of the draft was Garland. That's what I just read Rich Paul said. That's pretty cool.
1: Uh, The other thing, I mean, when you look at teams that won, though, it's just been a superstar do-it-all forward. Kawhi, Durant, LeBron. (coughs) You haven't seen a guard truly carry a team, and I think it's because – and the NBA is all about one player taking over, and if you're a guard, especially a smaller guard, you don't really have the physical capability of guarding the best player on the other team, getting to the rim and finishing at will, no, we'll uh, taking a lot see. of fouls. That kind well, of we'll thing.
0: We'll see. We'll see what happens, because I think the the NBA is getting faster, and they're just yeah providing on shooting. Curry led
1: the Warriors to a championship, especially the first one that they won.
0: Well, there should be an asterisk. <laughs> yeah, because the Cavaliers
1: were hurt, but.
0: Yeah. But, I mean, even then, I mean, but he's never been finals MVP, you know.
1: He wasn't the finals. That, oh, no. It Iguodala was. A, was. Oh, it's so strange. Iguodala, was he a starter and in then that LeBron, series, or then, was he off the bench?
0: Uh, he. I think he started. It's remember. crazy. He was re- still, he was still like at the end of his prime. I'm pretty sure.
1: The NBA used to be so much like more spread out, and diluted. Iggy had his own team. That's what I, I was just gonna say, dude. <laughs> <So> when he, <laughs> when he was, on the when he, he was on the Sixers, when he was on the Sixers, when he was on the Sixers, I fucking loved him, dude. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I fucking loved Iggy <laughs> on the Sixers. Had, he had a good uh,
0: dunk contest performance, I think, as well. But I, I just thought it was cool because, like. When, you know, when, Le- like, first LeBron, when the when LeBron left the first time, he, uh, Iguodala was the guy that, you know, Yeah. he's like, oh, well, the Sixers are like the Browns, you know, they fucking suck yeah. every year, but they got this cool fucking player. He do was you like Phil like Dawson or something.
1: When every team just had, you know, like maybe one guy. guy.
0: Yeah. Because
1: no. now it's like, and I understand that they'll never do this because, Every city, I mean, they would just be passing up on just so much revenue and so much of their economy if they less the amount of teams. But I just think they just have too many. If all the players want to play for the same goddamn six to eight teams yeah. in but a like, few years, what's, the, what's even the point of having? But what
0: are the six to eight teams?
1: Okay, well, all the ones in California, Texas, and New York, it seems like. it's At least that's how they paint it. That's okay, what everyone so wants to play, if they had their choice.
0: Okay, besides the Spurs, in New York, in California, how many of those teams made the playoffs in like the last five years? None of them.
1: Yeah, I Except guess. Except
0: for the Warriors, which I'm not going to count because they were Well, we're just were now drafted, starting
1: though. to see – Players we'll really have just an absurd amount of control. I think it'll be interesting to see if um, uh, is it the Greek freak if he stays in Milwaukee? That'll be interesting. Obviously, it'll be cool to see if Kawhi stays in Toronto or He's whether he goes in. to a big city. Uh, well, Toronto is a huge city. He you know what I mean? a big he city, was just at you? the Home Depot buying boxes. I swear to God. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. Is there a picture of it? Yeah. Pull it up uh, quick. I, I want to see it.
0: Up the nice thing about working in the sports world you can um, that's interesting
1: too because it's like get pictures um, like
0: that instantly
1: you know where does toronto go after this and what else are they supposed to do that's what i mean it's kind of bullshit yeah i mean i'm sure the fans are fucking glad to have had that season but it's almost like what do you what do you do now what's the point it's almost like they should have less teams and then let different cities like did you see where they're talking about having the rays play half of their games in tampa and half in montreal it's almost like we should have what the fuck teams. is that
0: dude that's stupid they just, just done? i mean it's kind of ridiculous for florida dumb. and
1: canada but would you be okay with if if all the players want to be on the same squads and that's what the fans wanted to see what if they did that and then there's, you know, a Midwest team and you're playing 20 games in Chicago and 20 in Cleveland or, you know, I think 10 in Detroit or something like that and everyone gets to keep their arena still.
0: Oh, shit. Hold on. That might be where the NBA is going eventually. Parenas- Hold on. Sorry. Uh, get the fuck out of here. Um, Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> just the title. Yeah, Raptors Kawhi Leonard spotted at Toronto Home Depot buying moving boxes.
1: Oh, wait. There's no picture though. It's just Rare that it is.
0: right there. Wow.
1: <laughs> Damn. When was that from? It's a tweet from. It was
0: uh some chick. Is it
1: the morning after the fucking
0: championship game? It was on the twentieth, so it was two days ago. Wow. Well, I guess there you go. I mean, he did.
1: What is it? July first is when free he's, agency starts.
0: Dude, he's the dynasty killer, man. Yeah. It's fucking awesome. Um, yeah. Well, I think we spent a lot of time on the NBA. We don't know shit about it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know shit about anything. Okay, it's a so <laughs> no, it's all good. Um, so I watched that uh, that uh, Bob Lazar dude, thing last I, night. I got fucking
1: deep immediately. I bought in so fast. I've never really been a conspiracy dude about anything. Usually with stuff like that, it's more like, "Oh, this will kind of be fun," but then like your fucking frontal cortex is just punching holes in everything the whole time. With the Bob Lazar doc, dude. I mean, I still have some questions, but so holy what? Shit, what it we're seems like he's to, the truth, man?
0: Yeah, what we're referring to is there's a uh, documentary on Netflix called I Bob think Lazar. It just went up. Yeah. Uh it's called Put it from then, last year. Yeah. It's called Bob Lazar, Area Fifty One and Flying Saucers. Which sounds like it'd be so so It fucking sounds s- corny Yeah, as well. it sounds super corny. But this guy, he worked in Eric. well, S four. He was a um he's a scientist and he yeah, worked S four I
1: guess it's like the real name basically for Area, Area fifty one. Yeah.
0: And he used he worked on a lot of stuff that, you know, come out of the book comic books I read. Like uh, the antimatter, which which is crazy. Like right. that's something you would see on a comic book. Uh, the anti gravity machines and like um, like reactors and things yeah, like thing that. The thing about the technology,
1: and the so- and flying saucers. Because just thinking about like when I just fantasize about aliens and you think like, man, can can just flesh, can organic creatures ever really truly travel? that far like i don't know if it's tens of thousands of light years but whatever it is is unimaginable for us and it's like even if something went super fast would that ever really even be possible but the way that they explained the technology in this documentary is sort of like it was so oh, fucking plausible. Like it seems yeah, it does. It seems, like I get it now like, when I he was talking about like you could travel that far, it just makes total fucking and sense. And then when he was like, talking he, he started
0: fucking drawing the uh, like guys fucking watch this. It's also narrated by Mickey Rourke. Oh
1: yeah, and that's what sold me on it. Oh I mean, yeah. Well narrated almost in quotes because it's more in the beginning only and it's only a few lines, but it's I had to. It's I hell. had I to. So I
0: normally because I I fall asleep, I'm a I'm a, nor- I'm a fucking weirdo. I a asleep every night to that 70s show. It doesn't matter how many fucking times I. Watch every episode, but and I put the subtitles on because I'm chunks, son. right, and I'm just like my mom, so she does it too. It's like, <laughs> fucking, she has subtitles on all the fucking time, so so do I. Like, I don't know why it's it must be a hereditary, but uh, I had the hub subtitles on, and I'm kind of glad I did because I fucking love Mickey Rourke, but yeah, I can't understand it. <laughs> the only thing I can rem- like, in the narration, he would be like, he would say fucking a lot, and I thought that was, <laughs> that was so fucking cool. <laughs> but anyway, um, he was uh, Bob was drawing uh, a flying saucer and stuff like that. And he's like, people think that they fly horizontal, but they actually fly, fly yeah, belly could, up. Yeah, and yeah. he was explaining the physics of it. And I'm like, holy shit, dude. That actually fucking makes yeah. sense. The
1: analogy for the technology that made a lot of sense to me, because I'm not like a very, I don't think in space or anything like that like spatially and I'm not really much of a fucking si- I was a social science major so I don't know shit about this but he's yeah. talking about basically like if you have a bowling ball on a mattress and then you press with your hand or your foot in front of the bowling ball to make a slope it'll move down and he's basically saying that's what it's doing with space in front of it it's, it's manipulating it so it's just constantly falling forward and then also when it does that I think if I'm not mistaken that that is at the same time warping time as well Fucking crazy. But it's an el- – well, yeah, we don't want I guess – I don't know how much you care to give stuff away or not.
0: I don't, I don't care. We're going to spoil the fuck out of shit, yeah. so who cares? So one of the coolest parts was
1: when he's talking about the element Fifth, that's not native to Earth that apparently these aliens have, and that's what makes it all possible.
0: And they can't fucking figure it out. It's it's cool. My, f- my fucking – because one of the craziest things about it is when they start talking about – If he took anything from Area 51 and they turned off all their phones and the next day he was raided by the FBI. Yeah. um, That part... I don't know how much
1: I really care about it. I see how... I mean, it makes sense. It plays along with the story and it just goes to show that if this dude is lying, they... Make it very obvious that the government takes him very fucking seriously. Yeah, for real. The first example was when they tried to erase his education and his work history. When he said that, yeah, you know, I I went to, I think it was Caltech and I went to MIT. And then they kind of erased his records. But then they found then newspaper clippings of him, like pictures of him, like, you know, Caltech student Bob Lazar, like blah, 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 working on some project or shit like that. Uh, so they still had proof, but they also proved then that, that they're trying to manipulate yeah. his fucking past. It was
0: nice that he had like a legitimate reporter, like throughout his throughout the thirty years oh, that he's been going through. Oh yeah, shit. I like that guy yeah. a lot. Um,
1: but I'll say this too: I mean, w- with anything like this, it's easy to when you're. With other people who are also starting to buy in, you know, the classic fucking phrase for it is echo chamber. But, you know, we've proven with so many studies, especially politically, that people get more extreme when they're with like minded people. And I think maybe that happens a little bit sometimes with the UFO stuff. But I think they just did such a great fucking job in this doc. And obviously, in documentaries, they use music and other things, and they're cherry picking, and they do whatever that they do to make you buy into it a little bit, but I thought they did such a great job just addressing so, all the major fucking points.
0: With the subtitles on, too, whenever the music played, it would say, ominous music, and I would instantly, <laughs> I would instantly <laughs> yeah, go to the yeah, forgetting, <laughs> oh, you want dark and ominous.
1: <laughs> ominous, dude, that's such a fucking... The average person with subtitles I don't even know what the fuck ominous means. I feel like I barely. I mean always. That. Just, I always, that means like omniscient. I always. Ominous. I always, I always
0: wonder, mean? like, for people who are deaf, when they're reading these and it says like "stranglehold" by Ten Nugent playing, and I wonder if the deaf person's like, "Oh, I fucking love that song. Glad yeah, the they referred that. that? Yeah. <laughs> like, why does that matter?
1: I don't know, man. But um <laughs> yeah, my big question: What did you think about? Because I did some Googling, of course, after I watched this. It's um, worth the Google. I didn't really do anything. The, Googling the else, one kind of red flag, I guess, if I had one, that I thought was kind of corny is he's saying that, you know, he's being brief. He's giving all these documents. It's showing drawings, pictures. It has descriptions of aliens. It has, uh, you know, summaries of uh, Earth's relationship to aliens throughout history and all this shit. But it basically says that, you know, the alien that you think of—the grays, like the little two to four Mm -hmm. foot tall, smooth skin, big head, no sex organ, big black eye aliens—are really what they look like, according to Bob Lazar. But that's been in uh, books and pop culture. I think one of them was War of the Worlds, which is from like the late nineteenth century. It just kind of makes me think like. Yeah, like really, like did fucking H.G. Wells really just randomly predict what they looked like? That that just kind of made it seem. Yeah, and he was one of the pioneers. Like,
0: UFOs and shit like that are the the idea of aliens didn't really come out until like the fifties. That's why you saw prior to, in like the comic book forms. You that's why you prior prior to the nineteen fifties, everything was grounded reality other than the fact that the only things you can really that were really science fiction were the world, war of the worlds and superman right everything else was uh you know batman pulp pulp mm-hmm. comics and then obviously everybody else was a superhero because and and the war everything was related to the war mm-hmm. and then once area 51 kind of became popularized in and stuff like that uh comic books especially like everything was about ufos and weird science and it came from space and you can yeah. even see that in uh in horror films like prior to 1950 all the horror films were dracula and then all this right. stuff and yeah. then uh in the 50s and in, in mid 60 up to the mid-60s everything was about aliens like um Like there's a lot of giant tarantulas and things like that. <laughs> dude, Radi- so I Adam Bomb, Radiations, Godzilla was yeah. part. Well, one of those. Um, the Thing, the original The Thing was one of them. And it's badass, dude. Yeah. Well, the remake is amazing. If you don't like the remake of the Thing by John Carpenter, you are a fucking <laughs> person. like I'm not even kidding but yeah it's just there wasn't really any that's why when orson wells wrote or uh read out um did a, a read through of war of the worlds on the radio people panicked because they thought it was really happening. oh yeah when
1: did that when did they do that
0: uh, it was probably i think it was in the 40s
1: dude that's fucking
0: can you imagine <laughs> just say the sheer panic because there's Aliens from another world. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if you even knew what the hell that would have meant. This Which is Austin Wells, and this is an RKO production. We're all going <laughs> to fucking die. Yeah, man. Um... But no, it stops. It makes you think. Because, like, think about that. That shit happened. <clears throat> it could have happened prior. Maybe H.G. Wells had some knowledge. I mean, I'm not familiar with his... Um, production of war of the worlds or anything like that and i'm not familiar with how um siegel and schuster came up with superman i knew they were really into science fiction but it wasn't popular back in the day so if you think about that when that why did that happen in 1950 why did it boom somebody must have said something
1: yeah do you remember what was that it was, like, an alien movie that came out, like, 10 or 15 years ago with the two English guys He made Shaun of the Dead. Paul. Paul, yeah. So, like, in part of yeah, that movie, he, he talks about, like, yeah, man, like, the you know, they slowly the leaked, like, what we looked like so that people wouldn't fucking freak out, like, when it finally broke. Mm. I don't know. Does that make sense to you at all? Do you think that might be the case?
0: I don't know. It's just, it's weird, because, like, you don't know what, you don't know what the fucking anymore man yeah, anything anything's a meme anything's like anything can be fabricated like i can do something in photoshop by clicking three commands and it looks real like who Dude, knows? what would it what would
1: it mean to you if it was all confirmed tomorrow
0: it would probably for me how would it
1: change your life
0: i mean it wouldn't change my life i would want i mean because i'm a libertarian so like i would probably not trust the government more as a, a personally uh, yeah because, I trust them less yeah, understandable yeah and i think it wouldn't affect me as far as anything else in my life other than you know my questions about religion and things like that like yeah, I
1: guess maybe that f- would maybe possibly right. have the biggest impact, maybe on the planet, would be that. I think the good news would be if, even just the Bob Lazar stuff was true. Apparently, they don't want to hurt us. If they've been coming here. I think in the movie they fucking said like ten thousand years or some crazy shit like that. You know, obviously it would have happened already. Um, if there's any sort of malicious intent, so that would be <laughs> that would be a little bit of a relief.
0: Yeah, but I mean, who knows? I mean, this could be a simulation. We could be, it could be the fucking Matrix. Like, we don't know. Um, That's for another podcast, dude. Yeah, I didn't bring the edibles this time. <laughs> but yeah, highly recommend that you guys watch that if you are still listening to us ramble on. So, uh, and of course. Speaking of a rambling man, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, <laughs> I'm, I'm segueing. Uh, the Brady greatest documentary and I, yeah. of all time. Brady and I are huge Bob Dylan fans, and one of the greatest directors of all time, Martin Scorsese, uh, does a lot of documentaries on musicians. He did Rolling Stones. He also did another Bob yeah, He Dylan, did an early Dylan doc. Yeah, which is a fucking great doc. But it's kind of very um, TV documentary, that old one. But this one yeah. he just released on um, – on netflix the bob dylan rolling thunder review yeah the old one's almost like what was that music doc show on vh1 it was almost
1: like that kind yeah, of yeah like
0: a behind the music yeah um but this one rolling thunder review it's my favorite era of dylan which is same yeah which like i was gonna ask you who you thought like what was your favorite era i mean a lot of people always say like the fucking either either the Protest Dylan or post protest Dylan Highway 61. Yeah, not even, dude. It's definitely
1: Desire and Blood on the Tracks are the two best albums. Yes,
0: I agree. Well, okay, so I like Highway 61 Revisited, but I think. Oh, yeah, I like. Blood on the Tracks is probably my favorite Dylan record, Mm -hmm. for sure. I think Um, Desire might be my favorite. Desire's so fucking good. Storytelling on Desire. Well, that's what I think. I think. I think Dylan has said what he wanted to say, you know, back in the 60s, and I think, like, just like any, like, he, the cool thing I think Bono said it best was, like, your your taste in Dylan changes with the way you grow up because mm-hmm. your, your age is a reflection of Dylan, you know? Like, when he was young, he was fucking, like, very you know rebellious and he fucking hated you know everything about i mean he's
1: close to his 30s or in his early to mid 30s i think in the mid 70s with those two albums and then from the documentary and you know you're in your late we're both kind of in our late 20s now but i think we've maybe aged a little bit
0: quick but yeah i would say that's true well you and i are an older soul for sure but like when you're when you're 18 19 you know you're you you are more influenced by the people that you idolize and who was you know dylan's biggest influence was woody guthrie yeah and he wrote songs like woody guthrie i mean he wrote them better than woody but and then i think he was trying to branch out from that and kind of find out he did soul searching and that's where like a rolling stone and things like that came and then i think he finally figured out who he was with with Blood on the tracks and things like that. He's a storyteller. Yeah,
1: I completely fucking agree, dude. Because I would say, you know, you already said it. When he was young, he's trying to impersonate other people. I think other people, like a lot of of us, could probably relate to that on some level. You just kind of act out what you see. And then, even, you know, with a lot of the protest music, he was still almost like a people pleaser a little bit. I think he was doing what was popular at the time, and he did do it better than everyone else obviously when he went electric is when he stopped giving a fuck but you could kind of tell you know from the first uh scorsese documentary that he definitely hadn't found himself it's called no direction home there's the him behind the scenes before going on stage talking about how he wants to go home and it looks like he's fucking lost his mind yeah in the dylan in the new one in rolling thunder it looks like he really found himself it was after he took a break also correct yeah. Uh, He had a pretty long break uh, before he kind of got... And people were calling him re-inspired.
0: Yeah, well, that was also... Like, when he took that hiatus, a lot of people were... Um, There was this rumor going on that he wrecked his motorcycle, like, bad. And that's I thought that was true. I think it was a rumor.
1: That was just a rumor? I I'm thought that was sure. true. pretty sure. I
0: think they were... because I like, think Why it says that he, he wrecked, he wrecked it? it. I think it, Maybe it he says did. that in the Scorsese doc in the first one. But also... But a lot of people are like, what the fuck is he? Why is he not making music? I mean, Dylan not making he music. Was is fe- he was important. fucking
1: tired, man. And he also yeah. was just living life. Burned out. He got
0: married. He had kids. Well, all he's that stuff. he's been like the center of controversy since he was 18 years old. Yeah. Uh, maybe he needed a fucking break yeah. or else he was going to, you know, s- commit music or actual suicide.
1: Dude, and when he came back. You know, on the Rolling Thunder tour, he was doing... And what you see in this, I think, he was living for a purpose. He was living for the other people on tour.
0: Yeah, you um, could tell he found his friends and he stuck with it them. It was he, about community. Yeah, he, it wasn't It wasn't like the people who were coattailing on Dylan, like his exactly, success. It was exactly. Which, obviously, I think of all the people he wanted to see other people perform too right and that's the thing is Dylan's uh, he loves music and he loves his friends Mm -hmm. and he loves poetry and he loves you know he just loves art and obviously like you just hear him talking about Kerouac all the fucking time even to this day when they're interviewing today which by the way He's so fucking cool. Still at 73 years old. (laughs) He still is. And he was,
1: uh, and I'll say this. I saw it because it's a Netflix documentary. Um, So it's on now. It was the Tuesday night before it hit Netflix. I saw it at the Cinematheque in Cleveland at the Cleveland Institute of Art it was a pretty packed house I think there were some seats left but that's awesome yeah you had and it was all ages too man there's people younger than me there of course
0: there you know there was plenty we went to what we went to two dylan shows you and i and it was yeah we went to
1: two together uh i think i went to a third one i haven't seen him in a few years actually i missed him i haven't for a while the last one we went to together i believe was 2014 and then we saw him and ryan adams back-to-back nights
0: good fucking weekend hell yeah um, but yeah, so I just love this. I love this version of Dylan for sure. Um, I just feel like his stories are. He still had his protesting, but they were protests with meaning. Um, well, to say like it was to to do something about something. For example, Hurricane.
1: Yeah, it was it was very specific it was something that he felt like he could actually make an impact on that was a specific case. Right. He was like, at that um, point,
0: he's at that point in his career where he had some pull.
1: Yeah, you know, I think as Jack Cornfield said tend the part of the garden that you can touch and I feel like that's what he was starting to do. Like he was uh he was protesting in a way that he
0: felt it was important. Yeah. And <laughs> the the people that he hangs around with, which by the way, Sharon Stone out of nowhere, fucking hanging out. Well, with that was when one was, of the ones.
1: Yeah, you know, I don't know which direction you want to take this. I don't know how much you fucking read. I regret reading an NPR article. Uh, mm. That earlier that day, which talked about how much fiction you was were part of the documentary, which was oh, very really? interesting. Did you know that at no, all? No, I did not know that. Okay, so Cody's mind's being blown now. I am being blown. Um, I'll only ruin one other part, so the Sharon Stone's Stone stuff was bullshit. Are you serious? Yeah, they totally made that up, as far as I know. Which, dude, not to, you know, we're getting live reaction here, but, yeah. <laughs> you know, Dylan... He was always a fucking bullshitter. I remember when I was first getting into it, and you were already pretty hip to it. There was an old, it's Dylan early. He might have had like the self-titled out already, uh, which were. I don't think he even wrote a
0: lot of those songs. No, those are all covers. So it was super early. He wrote. I think he wrote two songs on that album. Yeah, the rest were covers
1: uh so there's a there's a cd i forget what it's called you guys will have to find it i don't think it's on spotify either because i was looking recently but you gave me a copy of it he's on a radio show it's him and a woman he's playing songs she's interviewing him in between mm-hmm. songs and he's he's fucking telling her all these stories about like it's completely at bullshit. a fucking freak show <laughs> Like growing up like in a carnival, basically like down in the Southwest, which was total horseshit. Well, and
0: if you look, and, and if she you- was
1: eating up every piece of it, and he he kind of he he came up being a I don't want to call him a liar, but like because it was it was he was doing it to entertain himself. I think also he's a storyteller. Yeah. He didn't want to tell just his own story. He wanted to tell other stories well, too, so If you he look did. at the um, – And if people
0: believed it, it was a better story. You know the, the little black kid in uh, his movie, I'm Not oh, There? Oh, yeah, exactly. That was – that's, exactly. a, that's exactly. that Dylan. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think he actually plays Woody Guthrie mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah. Or yeah. he names call, himself they, Woody. Yeah,
1: they call him Woody Guthrie in the I film. I watched that
0: like I think a month ago, and it's, it's still my favorite movie, music doc. One of the – Next to the Doors. These are unrelated, but I kind of thought
1: it was cool, and one of the best parts of the Rolling Thunder doc that just came Mm -hmm. out, um, it has a lot of Joan Baez in it, of course, as like a fucking fanboy, you know, it almost feels like some reality TV show shit where you start to care about these people's fucking relationship, but... yeah, she's, she's fucking awesome. She sings on a lot of Dylan songs on that tour on the live album that we yeah. grew up listening to a, for a couple summers, remember, in the Tiki. But uh, anyways, I fucking forgot what I was saying, but <laughs> Joan
0: Baez. Um, it's just they're all friends. You care about them. Yeah. Uh, well, Joan's been around since practically day one. Yeah. Um,
1: oh, yeah, but what I was saying, when in the doc she's talking about Different times, cause there, they there, there's a lot of like costume. There's a lot of face paint.
0: Uh, yeah, that's right. You know, what it's I kinda, it was it was a very circus
1: kind of archetype.
0: I love Dylan's looking that that white. Oh that, hell yeah! I it's don't, fucking maybe, pimp, maybe it's dude. called white face. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But but no, it's fucking cool. Yeah, but there's the part
1: where where Baez is talking about how she was dressing up yeah. as Dylan and fucking with people, and it kind of reminded me of uh, who was the woman who played
0: Dylan, and I'm not there. Kate uh, Blanchett. Yeah, which that was made perfect, for an Oscar. Yeah, which she was, was perfect. As she fuck. was pretty good. She was my favorite. I mean, Christian Bale did a pretty good job, but honestly, I like, I don't know, man. They all Curry. play different styles of Dylan, but they're not Dylan. I like Dylan. the Cate Blanchett Dylan the best. Yeah, because it was the most direct interpretation, I think. him, Her and Bale were probably Dude, the and it was direct. such a
1: – that move to have her play him, dude, and it fucking – it was perfect. It was genius. It was genius. It was genius. It was yeah. a risk, but like almost not when you see how perfect it paid off.
0: Yeah. I mean, she was so spot on. Um, but the best, the best casting in that movie. After I watched this doc, was fucking David Cross as Allen Ginsberg. Oh yeah, dude, they're dude. fucking Hell, twins, exactly man. They're exactly fucking alike. twins.
1: Yeah, it is perfect. Uh, I love that. It was cool to see Ginsberg around because, of course, I saw him and I'm not there, so I knew that they were friends you see him a decent amount in uh no di- or no um yeah he's in no direction home he's not doing a lot but he's, he's not in, in
0: dope he's not in don't look back i don't think no he is is he yeah he's in it don't look back that's what brief. i was trying to
1: think of he's in don't look back so it was cool to see yeah these guys are friends are hanging out he brings ginsburg on tour with them in the early mid-60s in europe when he's a completely different kid and then 10 over 10 years later throwing thunder he brings to mind. But it was it was sad to see that they ended up cutting Ginsburg's act. Like halfway through the tour they talked about, they ended up kicking him off because they had so many people on that couldn't fit him in the show.
0: Yeah, that was the, well, the problem was they were touring in small clubs. I'm sure that yeah. was probably a part of the reason. And it
1: was a little bit of a bummer because Ginsburg died – Sometime in the 2000s, but you heard Dylan almost giving an autopsy on, uh, on Ginsburg's work and talking about how he was never remembered the way that he should have been or wanted to. I agree. Um, cause he was a poet and not a songwriter and that's kind of fucked up, but I'll say this, man, I was introduced to fucking Ginsburg poems, my, in high school at a rural ass fucking high. So, you know, I think that's pretty good.
0: Yeah. But it also, I mean, I never really heard of Ginsburg until, you know, I really got into Bob Dylan in high school. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, but that's the thing. I mean, that happens all the time. I mean, it's funny. My sister got me into Bob Dylan, and I got her into the doors. Like, nice. and, like, we found our obsessions by, you know. Yeah showing them to each other but and then it's the same thing with like segueing into different artists you know that's funny when you said that
1: i only picture autumn wearing a Doors shirt and then you're wearing a dylan shirt yeah i I know i know
0: (laughs) that's what i mean like that's just how it was unless like i i just showed her the doors movie and then she i think she bought or she rented don't uh, um i'm not there and that's when I really got into Dylan.
1: Yeah, I'm not there. That's a funny introduction to him, but I guess if you fall in love with that then you're just totally ready for the complexity and the Right. I mean I think Dylan.
0: I think you have to have that I and mean, like you know me, I'm a very artistic guy, so I, I respected the artistic direction mm-hmm. and then once I fell in love more with Dylan and his work and his life's well, life stories yeah um exactly you understand like you watch it now as a seasoned dylan professional and you <laughs> yeah, yeah that's a good way you, to put it yeah you you respect it so much more for what it's trying to be and it's exactly what it the title is it's i'm not there dylan Might is who he wants to be oh fuck yeah dude i have
1: to fall asleep with that tonight with the fucking subtitles on
0: <laughs> do it my way
1: it just says it just says sick music playing <laughs> <laughs> But, dude, speaking of the music in the documentary, though, because I'll say that was one of my favorite. So good. Not just the studio Blood on the Tracks or the studio Desire, which actually, no, in the documentary itself, I think they only have live songs that are on Desire. Yeah. But so, on the live album, though, and on that tour, there was a lot of Blood on the Tracks. Yeah, was there? No, yeah. actually, I'm fucking doubting myself They're, now. So He played Tangled Up in Blue because yeah. there's that famous video of him playing that, yeah, which is and, just, just uh, straight
0: on his face, and it's so fucking cool. Oh
1: no, they did have Simple Twist of Fate, which I think
0: the second track on dude track.
1: every fucking song in the documentary my only complaint is that they didn't have even more there was plenty of it for sure it it, it scratched the itch but i could have the thing is though is if every song they the thing is though is if you're watching a it.
0: fucking dylan documentary you're already expecting like the music you want to see bob dylan yeah you know and, 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 dude, and, true, that, and his and his lifestyle so i mean the, the most important documentaries that that are about him are just about him you know, just walking yeah. around shooting the shit with his friends. And that's exactly what these are. And it's Scorsese, I mean.
1: But, dude, I'm literally in the fucking movie theater. I went with my girlfriend. I'm, I'm nudging her to look down on my arm. Fucking hair standing straight up. Chills. Every song from start to finish the entire documentary.
0: And it's cool, too, because, like. You and I spent a lot of summers on the tiki listening to these albums, and especially the live. Yeah, um, and the it yeah, like and like it was nice seeing the music to the video because like you you we wouldn't think about that. It and was, the, and
1: dude, it didn't ruin it for me at all. If anything, it just enhanced it.
0: Yeah, and then when they were playing. uh, I kind of got like a uh, hit of nostalgia when Hurricane started playing. Oh, hell and yeah. And he was like, if anybody's got a little political poll, oh, yeah, I was dude, like, holy yeah, shit, yeah, dude. I, I forgot about that.
1: I know. Yeah. Big time. I think even. My and then they favorite. interviewed
0: Hurricane. That was Yeah. Great.
1: That was really cool. Another uh, kind of little. Uh, little fucking stage speak from Dylan that was on the live album that they included in the documentary. Uh, And, dude, you know, one of my fucking favorite songs is Oh Sister. Dude, And some of the crowd's like, play a protest song. And he's like, here's one for (laughs) you. And then it kicks in. It's so sick. It's so fucking badass. That's like the best (laughs) – I love it so. One of much. my favorite songs, especially of- it's like bass too, and it starts and it's so like hell yeah yeah here's one. I for love you. that one.
0: One more cup of coffee is pretty good on that. Album oh yeah, too. it oh, gets yeah. that song gets so fucking stuck in my head, and then I really want coffee. <laughs> Into the valley blue. <laughs> but no, the song I like on Desire that they barely ever show and play live is Joey. Just dude, because. I know. Yeah, that's yeah. my
1: favorite because dude, that story is amazing and for him to just totally
0: well i also like that's
1: like a forgotten i think that might be the forgotten, forgotten track, which dude. is which sucks
0: which is because, because like fuck. it just reminds me of my brother and I just joey <laughs> dude, so and funny.
1: the odds that anyone fucking listening to this gives a shit about dylan or gives a shit about ryan adams other than me and you which are the people talking right now so yeah. i don't really care i have the microphone but dude there you can find if you search hard enough you will find ryan adams covering joey wait in what late, in the late 90s dude I oh okay
0: God. no way yeah was yeah, he was he still band. with was he still with whiskey town or was you know, he starting I don't know to branch if it out was
1: like whiskey town or what the hell because you know like a, with a lot of that country shit it's very common to play with like random people <laughs> kind of thing yeah but, um I don't remember if it was Whiskey Town or what. But, dude, the thing that made it perfect, too, is that uh, he had a violin player. And, dude, I'll say from the documentary, the violin in these songs, and I, I'm i so ashamed I can't fucking remember her name off the top Oh, Scarlett Rivera. Yeah. Absolute. Dude. She had. It would <laughs> she- not have even been close to the same without her. And the shit they made up about her when he's like, she, she has snakes swords. in her room with swords. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, dude, one thing, we, we need to look this up right now. In the documentary, it said that she was dating the lead singer of Kiss at the time.
0: Yeah, because Dylan's always like, what about Kiss?
1: Yeah, yeah. We have to see if that's true. Which also kind of made me think was the white face paint a Kiss thing? I think, I can't remember if he's actually said that in the documentary or not.
0: You know, I, I, I can't remember. And that was one of the questions. I mean, it was obviously,
1: it wasn't. It was not Kiss esque at all whatsoever, but I I think that might have been part of it. But yeah, if she dated, and honestly, was is it? I don't even fucking know anything about. Is Gene Simmons the Kiss singer?
0: Uh, he well, or it's no, mainly it? Paul Stanley, but Gene Simmons does oh, yeah, sing Paul. every once in a while. Uh, Paul Stanley is the one with Star Child.
1: Yeah. <laughs> scarlet Rivera and Paul Stanley.
0: Is that who... Who? Uh,
1: yeah, they said that sh- at the time during the tour, she was dating Paul Stanley.
0: Okay. I'm at the true or fake. Yeah, yeah she-
1: we'll wait. I don't know if it'll come up or not, but dude...
0: Okay, so his white face makeup wasn't inspired by Kiss. It was not.
1: Yeah, whatever. If it was or wasn't, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. But dude, the other badass thing about the documentary... When they were playing at the, it was like an Indian reservation.
0: I can't find the That was answer. a badass Yeah, that was dude. pretty cool.
1: Because I had heard, I forget the name of the song, but I already remember, that might be on some sort of bootleg or like an early CD that you had given me or something, which is obviously a song that he didn't write. Mm-hmm. But that was pretty badass for the... And kind of see him be honored and and do that because it was a very, because dude the tour was so goddamn American.
0: That's what I love about Dylan. He's very like, I get a I get more sense of patriotism listening to Dylan than I do like Fourth of July. Dude,
1: and it's a very like um, how do I, how did I, it make me feel? I guess it was like a very, cause I don't know. it made you proud. But it wasn't in any sort of, um, it was almost like, yeah, we can, honestly, the words that almost came to my head are, we can make America great again. But there's <laughs> a, yeah, it's a, it's like a, it's, it's like it's your responsibility sort of thing. Yeah.
0: And like, that's. You know
1: what McKenna says, fucking Terrence McKenna talks about creating your own culture. And that's what they were doing with this tour. And that's kind of what they were saying almost explicitly towards the
0: yeah, end. Yeah, I mean, Dylan, Dylan's the, the epitome of the American dream, man.
1: Yeah, but they were, really, they were creating their own culture, and they were connecting with things. Like, dude, what kind of just rock tour makes it a point to, like, yeah, we're going to go to this Indian reservation and try to connect with these people? You know what I'm Somebody saying? Somebody that doesn't
0: give a shit about what other people think. Yeah. And that's that's how i live my life yeah you know like instead of you know he's
1: not on stage fucking telling people who to vote for and all this stuff like no it's things that he fucking cares about and that's what turns most americans off
0: and that's how you get uh donald trump in office yeah
1: Yeah. but dude the the way in which he was political on that tour is how i think you know and i'm not a fucking artist and i shouldn't be you know telling people what i you know what to do or anything but the way that he was the way that he engaged with social issues is, I think, the way the artist should. It was actually – it was truly just a part of the work. It wasn't like a finger wagging or like a I'm smarter than you kind of thing.
0: Yeah. It, it wasn't like a se- sense of entitlement or whatever you want to call it. Exactly. No, that was – that was a I, – I, what would you – where would you rank this one in the uh, documentaries on Dylan that you've seen? Out of
1: the three, which are –
0: don't look don't back. Look back no which uh,
1: who who made that again? It's like Pen something.
0: <laughs> it's like Moss something. I don't know. I don't know. What I don't it know. Is so that a, one in the two
1: Scorsese's? Is that how you say? It, by the way, is it Scorsese or Scorsese? Uh, tomato, tomato. Yeah. Um. I don't know if it just it's newer in my mind, but I think The Rolling Thunder.
0: I think I think that, that one's beautiful. I think the No Direction Home is probably the weakest of the of the three, for sure. I'll
1: say I I came away from Rolling Thunder feeling and I texted you, dude. I'm like I feel more inspired right now yeah. than I have in a long time. I didn't feel
0: inspired from the other two documentaries. If don't anything, dude, back. Don't Look
1: Back is only a little bit of a downer. And actually, the end of No Direction Home kind of is. Yeah.
0: Well, Don't Look Back well, is iconic. It has a lot of iconic moments in it. Oh. Hell I mean, you got, yeah. you know, yeah, the interview, whole, yeah, the whole interview with, you know, uh, you got like a lot of nerve talking to me that, like that, man. Yeah, yeah. I just sound like fucking Chong. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, there is that. And then ob- obviously the subterranean homesick blues, that iconic uh, right, music with video in the
1: background flipping the cards.
0: Yeah. Well, he. Was he flipping the cards yeah, or he was he just chilling? Uh, or wait, uh, no, no Dylan was yeah, flipping yeah, the was, cards. Yeah, yeah. Duh,
1: duh, duh duh yeah. Of
0: course. So I mean just as far as in the
1: background with his fucking cane and
0: his glass As far thing. as iconography, I mean, I would say don't look back for sure, but I would I I would agree with you. I think Rolling <laughs> Thunder is for the the content and the direction, I would definitely say that uh Rolling Thunder is and the best I one. And now I just threw that extra. I hate to be that guy to be, like, the fucking know-it-all. I'm like,
1: well, did you know that this part wasn't real and all that stuff? Yeah, that's all right.
0: But still, I mean, if if you're looking for it to drive a story, then. I it, like
1: that part, though. That I really do. Then again,
0: don't look back. Fucking Donovan? <laughs> yeah, dude, he just hated
1: Donovan for no reason. <laughs> uh, the coolest part, he just had that, like, fucking. Like two foot long light bulb the whole time. He's like carrying it to interviews, and everyone's like, "What's the light bulb about?"
0: Yeah, that's what I mean. Like it's a
1: girl with the bad teeth. Like, have you ever read
0: the Bible? Like whispering in his ear in a party. <laughs> well, what about the fucking? I can't remember her name, but in, when they're at, I think they're in New York, and like there was fucking Bat Midler and shit and that that chick gets on stage she's talking about there is this knight who was in love with his sister oh that was uh who the fuck was that
1: uh i'm gonna i feel like a dumbass if i say her name right is it patty smith was it patty something right i don't know look it up quick look up if first of all look up if patty smith is a fucking person (laughs) <laughs> and if i'm even do saying it, it's do patty i put that something. in google
0: is patty smith a fucking yeah. person
1: siri anyways i think it was her and yeah it was her she was a punk person correct
0: yeah she's like super thin yeah yeah that's her
1: people are like how do they not know who patty smith is fucking but yeah man uh that was pretty cool i wonder if that part was staged or not Wank wank, obviously she was on a stage. But uh I don't Yeah. The other movie I just saw, I've fucking seen a lot of movies recently. Did you watch the new and again I don't know the name. Jim Jarmish or Jarmouche? Jarmouche. Did you see his new zombie
0: movie with Dead Bill Don't Murray Die
1: Sturgill Fucking Simpson with the only soundtrack for the whole movie?
0: I haven't seen it yet. Uh, I have a kid. Well, let's spoil it for
1: you. No it was really badass. It. The *Stirgeon oh, Simpson* song was fucking awesome, dude. The ca- did you just look that. at the cast?
0: Well, I—I I knew, I've known about the movie. Okay. just I, I mean, I'm a big *John Jarmu- movie like, Jarmu- like Jarmu- fan. Oh, really? Yeah. No, I've known about it for a while. It's just time, dude. Like, I can—I just saw *John Wick* three like a week ago. Like, I was... Dude, I
1: don't know what *John Wick* is, man.
0: <laughs> it's. <sighs> It's probably, John Wick? it's probably, uh, is that the lead singer at kiss? No, it's Keanu Reeves. A, uh, it's, it's literally like the, probably the greatest action movies of the 2010s by far, not even close because they use a lot of influence from other, uh, cultures, especially Kung Fu and they Americanize it basically. And it, it's really, really, really good. Plots are very thin, um, just because it's like um Death Wish, Charles Bronson's Death Wish, where yeah. it's just very straight to the point. You know, your family dies, so he's gonna go after and kill these people. Yeah, it's kind of like that. Very, very, very simple, but they know what you're there for is the action, so they fucking go all out on it, and it's and it's well deserved. Barely you
1: talking about John Wick I take a piss.
0: Sure. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but I saw John Wick 3 and that was pretty good. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's, I, I would say the first one's the best one and then number two and then number three. So it goes in order. First one's just so fucking crazy and so good and it's just a great flick. So I have that. I still really need to see Godzilla. I've been excited about Godzilla for about a month and a half. I'm um, planning I plan on doing that sometime and then the next one I really want to see is Child's Play because I'm a horror buff and I'm actually I've actually from day one have not been disup- like not not looking forward to it I've been wanting to see it pretty good like I saw the first trailer and I don't really watch trailers as much as I used to but I was pretty curious with this to see if it was worth my time and I was very encouraged and then Mark Hamill came on to voice Chucky and I was like oh shit the Joker himself and I was super excited after that so and I see it's getting pretty for a horror film it's getting really good reviews so I'm really looking forward to seeing that hopefully I can see that tomorrow we'll see but yeah here he comes miss america
1: dude did my mom decorate your house
0: <laughs> no
1: i love it here you okay. have more pictures
0: of yourself <laughs> throughout here <laughs> <laughs> i know right like it's not my choice but it's right. it's all on good phone all do you have anything
1: to say about the browns
0: Dude, I could spend another fucking podcast on the Browns, Yeah, let's dude. talk
1: about the Browns quick. What do you want to talk about? This is a quick update. Um, Where are they at right now? They're in OTAs. Minicamp. <laughs> what is that? In? What is the uh, – I don't know. OTAs
0: was like fucking a month ago. <laughs> What's the
1: difference between OTAs and – where are they at now? Is it minicamp?
0: <sighs> they were just – they just finished
1: minicamp. They just finished minicamp, so training camp will be coming up in July, yeah, middle end of July. July. End of July. And then they have their first preseason game for a second week of August, something like that.
0: Mhm. Yeah. Um, yeah. The uh, OTAs were here and there and came and went. And then minicamp came by. There's always, I mean, with the OTAs, there's a big deal about Odell not being there, which is so fucking stupid because they're, you know, optional.
1: Yeah. I'll say this, dude. I don't want to be pessimistic or nitpick about anything, but I've noticed that. One of the biggest stories, because they don't really have much to talk about right now. We know who the quarterback is. We're supposed to be good. There's not a whole lot of position battles, so they're just kind of talking about drama. This Duke Johnson shit, dude, I think Kareem Hunt signing was a mistake. You think so? Honestly. Not that it's that big of a deal, because we have a pretty solid, uh, I don't know, would you call it, a three down back? He was
0: last year for the most part. Yeah, because he is really good at catching the ball. Yeah. Um, he. But when you have Duke Johnson, you don't really need that.
1: I think that Kareem Hunt is such a question mark. Uh, it's insane that people talk about him so much he's not going to play until the second half of the fucking year. I think that hasn't really quite totally dawned on people how insane that is. He's not going to play the first half of the season dude, that's the best-case scenario. The best-case scenario is that he comes in halfway through the season. He's fresh. He's ready to play. They start incorporating him into the offense. You have a pretty nasty, you know, two-back system. Uh, What if he fucks up again?
0: And he's gone, and that's why you only signed him to a one-year, one, $1 million-dollar deal. So well, you have year, Duke because
1: you signed Kareem Hunt, who's a major question mark. Now you have Duke Johnson. So they have his a way out. they have, they have a running they
0: have a running back that they're really high on. Uh, Hilliard, can't remember his first name. I think it's Deontay or something. I like that.
1: remember him playing last year. You know, people said, "Yeah, you know, ever, you know, when." Uh, when Freddie took over, Duke Johnson disappeared. I don't think that's true, man. Can we look up fucking Duke's stats quick? I think he had multiple touchdowns. At one of the first games under Freddie, under with the,
0: against the Chiefs. So well, yeah. I mean, Duke's always gonna get production, no matter what. It's just it really. At the end of the
1: day, I don't think it'll be that big of a deal. I mean, your second running back is
0: expendable.
1: But All running just, backs
0: are expendable.
1: I just think that the Kareem Hunt thing, it hasn't been as big of a distraction as I thought it was going to be. It'll probably become a distraction, I think, halfway through the season, which I think is another reason why it was a bad idea this season in particular, going into our first year with big expectations. uh, The first half of the schedule, they have all these big primetime games. If they get off to a slow start, And there's a lot of pressure on them. And then Kareem comes in halfway through the season, and that's kind of a big distraction. They could really be in a fucking tough spot, I think.
0: Well, it all really depends on the first three games, I would say. Maybe four.
1: Yeah, I think it's important that they get off to a fast start for sure.
0: The Titans aren't going to be easy. The Jets probably will be. There's a possibility they could be one and two. Strong possibility they could be 3 and 0 they could be The 2-1. first 3
1: games are Tennessee at Jets and then prime time and then lost
0: yeah the Rams. Rams and i believe the following week is going to be home against the Ravens
1: you know a big game that there a lot of people are talking about you know i don't know if if you're talking about it in the fucking summertime as a trap game which you don't talk about trap games in the NFL that much but because I think the players Brown's fucking understand time. that every week is is important, but they're talking about the San Francisco Monday night as being a trap game, which kind of sounds ridiculous. Because first of all, it's fucking Monday night, and we haven't had
0: any in a long time. It's early in the season too, but I wouldn't consider that a trap game just because of the fact that they have a good quarterback. They've been shitty because, you know, um, yeah, well, Garoppolo. Garoppolo was
1: hurt. How much has he played? Not much. In a 49ers jersey.
0: Not Honestly, much. I'm six, not, Seven I'm, games? I'm not 100% if that. confident if he's played at all. I don't even know. Seven games? Six games. They He won. They were 0 something. They were like 0-7, 0-9 or something like that. And he came mm-hmm. in and won five games. And then I think they won one or two and then he tore his ACL. So he has a good record, but he got hurt in New England too. He's very. Injury prone, yeah. so we'll we'll see. But that's not. They got that sick tight end. You know, I think it's what's his name. Oh Fiddle? yeah,
1: yeah. I uh, I noticed him towards the end of fantasy last year, which uh, for the record, I absolutely fucking annihilated in our league. Yeah. But uh, I think whoever Champion. I played towards the end had him as their tight end. But um, any position battles. That you think will be interesting. I think a linebacker will. I wonder if tacky tacky will. I feel like dude, he's either gonna he's either gonna play a lot, or dude, honestly I can see him getting cut.
0: No, I think uh, they need them they need those guys for now. They need him in special teams. So I would probably think that they're gonna keep him. And from what I hear he's he's actually doing pretty good. Dude, he's here's a, what I'll say he's a violent, violent player. He hits.
1: Yeah. I'll say this about him, dude. And I think I texted you about this during the draft. Um, You know, we draft people early. I fucking look up their highlight tape. It's about it. Or I look up, (laughs) you know, especially defensive players. It's not really a highlight tape. But it'll be like, um, you know, they'll have like a couple full games up. Yeah. So I watched a couple of his full games, and I remember whatever scout that was high on him that had, you know, they do like the immediate presser after they draft a player, and he's like, yeah, you know, this guy's all over the field. He's in on every play, blah, blah, blah. He he was such a standout, you know, just watching their game at random. I thought he took a lot of bad angles. He got embarrassed a few times, dude. He missed a tackle on a white quarterback in open field.
0: He, uh, A lot of people think that the Browns did reach. Yeah. What was he drafted he was like drafted second the third round. second, third round. Uh a lot of people project him in the fifth, where when who they got in the fifth probably should have been in the second or third. Mac Wilson. He uh forgot about him. Yeah. He's gonna be a sleeper. Watch out. He's a first round talent. I remember they were saying that what was what was his problem? He just didn't
1: Was it production, was it yeah. injury? I
0: don't remember. No, it wasn't injury. He just didn't seem like he cared as much.
1: Dude, that's the thing that I think is honestly one of the most important things. But when there's also,
0: been- well, I was going to say there's also a theory that Nick Saban um, talked talk some mad shit on him because he didn't want to stay at Alabama. Uh,
1: that's why he dropped. Yeah, yeah. Which has
0: happened before. He's done that to another Alabama player.
1: Speaking of people getting a bad rap and dropping in the draft, in the NBA draft, I. Had a fascination with Bowl's boy. Bull, bull, bull. Bull, Did you what? Did you see him, dude? Did you see? Well, do you know anything about him? Did you see him fall? Do you, have you seen any? I heard day he was
0: injured? injured. I just thought it'd be funny if he got drafted by the Bulls. Dude. <laughs> bull, bull. for the bull, Bulls. Bull. Bull, bull,
1: Dude, I. This motherfucker. He's over seven feet tall. Obviously. His torso is two feet long. <laughs> dude, his waist is above your fucking head. Yeah. And then it's like a normal body from there. up. It's so ridiculous. But, dude, okay, he's seven, I don't know, over seven feet tall, 208 pounds.
0: That's a fucking... <laughs> Can you imagine, It's a monster, dude.
1: 208 pounds, dude, he's a stick at over <laughs> seven feet tall. I
0: know. That's what I'm saying.
1: He's a monster. It's, it is... It's disconcerting, actually. Yeah, what do man. you think? Be thirsty? For for some bruja Yeah. Fuck Where it. Where are we man. going? We're going to go downtown. Tell so the people in Northwest Ohio
0: all uh maybe one of them that will be listening later. So, and if you are listening, you're probably going to be listening after we go out. Definitely. <laughs> But no, so, not even to me up, but just where's the good beer? Tell me about the
1: good beer in, in Toledo.
0: So I mean I'm that
1: Cleveland boy, dude. We got it. I know, we but got, here's we the, have almost too much actually. I know.
0: Well here's the problem is that like I live in Toledo but I'm so fucking pro Cleveland that I still stick to my Cleveland, you know Good boy. I so, I mean, there are there are some good things here and there. I just don't care enough because I'm like, do I go with the Toledo brand or do I just go with my good old Great Lakes? I'm gonna go with great legs, fuck great Lakes, dude. That's on the record. heads and shit like that. Like I'll go with el- I just gotta go with that shit. It's just I don't know. Feel f- it just the way I am. Um, well, all right, let's go hydrate. We will. I just wanted a real quick shout out. Tomorrow's very important day for me because. Ooh. Yeah. I know where this is going? Is it, where's it going? It's not about
1: the summer solstice. <laughs>
0: That was actually yesterday, I think. But No, June 23rd is a very important day in my life because <laughs> it is on June 23rd, 1989, my favorite fucking movie of all time. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> Not where I thought I was no, going it, at it, all. It's, it's it's still...
1: I was going to say 89.
0: Yeah, 1989. Uh, Batman. 1989 star Michael Keaton, my favorite movie, always has been, always will be. Came out, and then Michael uh, Keaton was a pussy, dude. Dude, fuck <laughs> you. Man. Um, and then, years later, in 1993, on that same date, my beautiful wife was born. So, it's a very important day for me tomorrow. Carly, and she's uh, pregnant with triplets, she's not pregnant with triplets, but she is pregnant. And it, I love her very dearly, and she's turned the big two-six. So happy birthday, babe. I love you, and we're going to... Happy birthday. Day. <laughs> I would say we were we would go get hammered, but I, uh, we can't have that. So I'm sure we'll figure something out.
1: <laughs> and with that, give him a yeah, Burger Boy.
0: Yeah, Burger Boy!